Welcome to Evolve. My name is Brandon Silver and I believe that evolution of the world requires evolution of the individual. I believe entrepreneurs are consistently changing that world and we always will be. So with this show I will bring you the people and ideas with tools necessary to hack your growth in your business and your life. Together let's ask the world's biggest questions, build businesses to solve them, and live happy and fulfilling lives in the process. It's time to Evolve. Hey everyone, welcome to Evolve. Today's guest is a wildly successful coach, author, and entrepreneur who, after leaving his cushy Park Avenue job as a consulting actuary for Fortune 100 companies like Sony Music, Procter & Gamble, Chanel, and Exxon, went on to build one of the largest coaching businesses, which has served an audience of over 150,000 coaches and has personally coached for thousands of hours across 12 countries around the globe. Being said to have a willingness to put himself in the fire and do what it takes to make that next step by Jack Canfield of Chicken Soup for the Soul, he has overcome countless challenges, including surviving a collapse of his paraglider while in flight, fracturing his spine, witnessing the death of his sister at age seven, and battling with severe anxiety and depression. He is a much sought after coach and speaker who has been featured at Columbia University, the International Coaching Federation, Forbes, and on CNN. Additionally, he has been interviewed in mind for his priceless insights and dozens of the top entrepreneurial podcasts from hosts like John Lee Dumas, Kevin Harrington, and Seth Green. He was also nominated to the Transformational Leadership Council alongside such thought leaders as Don Miguel Ruiz, John Gray, and Marianne Williamson. Despite his 30-year career of personal transformation and repeated success, he has launched in another new company, this one called Play For Real, which aims to inspire high-performing entrepreneurs, executives, and teams, and even maximum security prison inmates to create amazing results and deep connection in their lives. I'm honored to welcome the founder and CEO of Play For Real, author of Get Paid For Who You Are, and someone who may have another career as a kilt-wearing rock star singing Hey Hey It's Saturday, David Wood. <laughs> Brandon, in in 50 interviews, I think this is the first time someone has actually written their own introduction for me. So I heard stuff in there I haven't heard before. That was really fun. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, um, let's dive a little bit into your story. And throughout throughout your life, you've had um, some pivotal moments that kind of changed your perspective, whether it was leaving your consulting career or having the paraglider collapse. What about these moments changed the way you lived a life? Hmm. Can you pick a moment? For instance, the the paraglider collapsing. I mean, what was it that was so profound about that? Wow. You know, what was interesting about the about that accident? I was coming in to land and I I had almost touched down. I was one foot above the ground. And mm-hmm. this is on top of a big mountain on a warm, really hot day, so the air is turbulent. And I'd almost landed and the air, the air picked me up in a little thermal and I didn't control the wing properly and it collapsed and I came down from only about 10 or 15 feet and landed on my ass. Mm. Now, nobody wants to fall 10 or 15 feet onto their ass. It's not a good look. Right. And, and so I fractured my spine. The interesting thing about that experience is I, I, had, a, I had a really good day, which I think goes to show that our circumstances are not what gives us our experience. We can have stuff happen and be miserable. I have stuff happen and be happy. People were very kind to me. Uh, The pain was just manageable, 
Uh, I had to wait for an hour on a stretcher up on the mountain for the ambulance to come. <laughs> they left me alone and went off and kept flying and whatever. And I'm like making videos. Um, people were very, very kind. What I got from that accident was we need to assess the risk of everything we do. Mm. I think a lot of people are too conservative in many, many, many areas and they should be riskier. This, this used to be my life assessing risk, but I realized I was willing to risk death and paralysis before that to fly because I loved it and I wasn't that into life. Mm-hmm. But after it, I realized I was no longer willing to risk that. I actually wanted to live. I want to stick around. I want to be on the planet. So it was hard for me to give up my wing, but I did. And, and when I teach tough conversations and people how to have those tough conversations, it's the same thing. What are you risking by having the conversation? Is it just feeling awkward? Is it losing your job? Is it divorce? Is it prison? Like, look at what you're risking and make a conscious choice. Mm-hmm. There are what, so one thing that really pisses me off is people going to Bali with no motorcycle riding experience, <laughs> deciding they're going to rent a bike in one of the most difficult places to ride one in the in the world. They don't have insurance, and then they don't wear a helmet. <laughs> and let's not even get to the point where they might have a couple of beers and right. then get on the thing with that. Like basically, you're saying. God, take me now. I'm done. And so, you know, cigarettes are another example where you might people smoke and they're just not really confronting what they're risking. Mm -hmm. So whether you're going to be a daredevil or not, let's just get clear about what we're risking and then go for it happily or stop doing it. Yeah. I think then you get to make the active decision if you want to live with the consequences that um, you are risking by doing this thing. Um, if you're okay, decision. Yeah. If you're okay yeah. with living the, with those consequences, then, you know, you can go right ahead and take that action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk to me about when you, you know, had before ever became a coach and were first starting with your own personal development, you were kind of critical of it, um, seeing it as sort of weak or like snake oil. So what was that fear maybe that you had in the beginning of it? Have you listened to some of my podcasts? Yes. I like to do a lot of research on my guests. Wow. And I'm like, where is he getting this stuff? It's not on my website. Um, yeah. Well, let's, let's go back. Cause you asked about incidents that, that had an impact on me. Um, one incident that had an impact on me was, was my sister's death. Mm-hmm. So, and I didn't even know it had an impact. I was just seven years old going about my business and we got off the bus and she was killed by the school bus and mm-hmm. I witnessed it. Now, I didn't know it was any kind of a big deal. Basically, I had a sister that morning. I didn't have a sister that night. Um, I cried about it once. We didn't talk about it. And then we, we kind of went on with life. What I discovered much later, I, I was 23. I discovered when I went to a psychiatrist and said, why have I broken up with my girlfriend eight times? Mm. I can't go back to her without a doctor's note. What the hell is going on? And he said, ah, can't prove it. But he said, I think you've got a complicated grief reaction. You never grieved for your sister and you're having problem connect, problems connecting with people. And he said, I think you are a sensitive man and you do have a heart. This is why you're having trouble you just shut down your emotions. 
wow, didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So apparently what I did is I put all my energy into left brain streams of energy and I became top of my school. Uh, I don't know. We had like a thousand people or whatever. I came top of the school. I got really good at creating things in time and space and, and businesses and systems right. and became an actuary, which for people who don't know, that's the person who didn't have the personality to become an accountant. Hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really into statistics, long-term financial projections. Yeah. So, so that was my life. And then someone introduced me to a personal growth course uh, because I was having, tr- I was having trouble in my marriage and she said, why don't you check out this course? And I went along and I was cynical. I didn't believe that anyone really wanted to help others. I just didn't have any frames of reference for that. And they all wore name tags and they were smiling way <laughs> too much. I'm like, this is a total cult. I'm going to get in and get out. Hmm. And, um, what happened was they actually cracked me open. They cracked my cynicism and I started to feel my heart. And so I realized now the first 26 years of my life were about using my intellect and left brain. And the last 25 years have been about reclaiming my emotional intelligence and learning how to connect deeply with people and how to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. What was it for you that made that switch, that crack? Because there's a lot of people that often shut their emotions out and they haven't had that switch yet. Yeah. There was a moment, there was a moment, uh, not in the first course. I did the first one and I said, I'm done, but you get 10 weeks of follow-up for free. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I'll do one or two of these (laughs) and then I'll bail. And on the first damn night, they were asking for volunteers to be team leaders. And I found my hand up and I'm like, damn it. Now I'm a team (laughs) leader. I have to do all 10 of these bloody things. So I did that. And then while I was doing that 10 week series, some people went and did the second course, came back and they were bouncing off the walls with energy. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know what happened to you, but whatever it is, I could use some of that. So I went and did the second one. And in the second one, I, uh, people were getting up on stage and sharing their new possibility and they're opening up. And I heard one of the teachers whisper to the other one. So he didn't think anyone could hear him, but I was right behind him. He whispered and said, it just makes you cry, doesn't it? And that was an incredible moment for me. I realized that these people had devoted their lives to transformation and to mm-hmm. people having joy and to changing the world. And I didn't know that anybody like that existed. I think that's what... That was the crack in my armor. And then I found myself coaching people in the course. Someone would be stuck. Some woman's like guilty because she had an affair 10 years ago and hasn't told her husband. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had an affair 10 years ago and he told her and she's been holding him under the thumb (laughs) for 10 years but didn't come clean about hers. And I just couldn't help myself. I helped her tap into her courage, create a possibility about what could happen if she came clean, work out what she's risking. Coming back to our last conversation, risking divorce. Is she willing? And she went and had that conversation the next day and came back and reported to the whole group that her and her husband felt like they were floating six feet above the ground for the whole weekend because they felt so in love with each other after she came clean. And I was hooked. Yeah. How do you start um, building that courage, you know, for yourself to start talking about these things when most people were hiding 
and giving your clients the courage to do that? Well, um, I, I've developed a process. I've, I've created a, a worksheet with about six questions mm-hmm. to prepare for a tough conversation, for any kind of awkward conversation. It could be with your boss, your coworker, your direct report, uh, your whole team. It could be you on stage. That's a tough conversation with your audience. It could be with your partner, with your kids. How many tough conversations we need to have with our kids that are, that are <laughs> awkward? So there's a worksheet and then a four-step blueprint. Should we give a giveaway at the end of the show? Sure. We can, yes. I'm happy, happy to give this away for free. And I'll take you guys through the steps, but if you don't want to write it all down or you're like, I'm not getting it all, we'll, we'll give you that. Um, and that really, that's going to help you have courage. One of the questions in the, in the worksheet is, what's your hope or your intention out of this conversation? See, if you, don't, if you can't get clear on one, if you can't see any gain, why would mm-hmm. you want to go and tell your husband that you cheated 10 years ago? Right. There's no gain. But she may have written down, let's imagine, I want, to, um, I want to release this guilt that's kept me separate from my husband and perhaps come together deeper in love mm. and give him a choice. Right. Give him a, a free choice as to whether or not he wants to stay with me, having, knowing what I did. And that's an amazing intention. Mm-hmm. I'm already, I'm inspired already (laughs) thinking about that. The next question is, what are you risking? What are you afraid of? Mm. I'm afraid he'll judge me. I'm afraid he's going to divorce me. I'm afraid he might take my kids and use this to take my kids against me. That's some scary stuff. And then there's a checkbox on the, on the worksheet. I'm willing to risk this consequence. Mm-hmm. for the potential gain. And she decided to, to, to go for it. So though, naming the fear, just naming it and then naming the intention that helps alone. And then as part of the four step process, you actually get to share that with the person you share your hope, you share your fear and that makes it less scary as well. Yeah, I think that's a, a very powerful process. I think one of the, the first steps before you like starting to have these conversations with other people is first having it with yourself. And so how do we how do we start that process? Wow. I love that you said that. I'm gonna steal that if that's okay. Yeah. Um well well the worksheet is is exactly how you do it. That's how you have the conversation with yourself write down Mm. these things. Another question is, you know, what's my issue? Like, what is it that I am wanting to share? Another question is, do you have a request? Mm. What's a request you could make? So, um, in this example of the cheating thing, and and by the way, I want to fess up. I've had that conversation when I was 18, I cheated on the woman who eventually became my wife. And, mm. and I had that conversation about confession. So I'm not just talking theoretically here. Um, I'm trying to imagine what requests she might have. Can you think of one if she's going to tell her husband, have this conversation with her husband? Every request that she would have? Yeah. What, what's something she could ask him, him for to direct it? I just thought of uh, my, my request or my ask would be that you see if you can find a way to forgive me. 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking is for for love and forgiveness and and understanding. Yeah, and that's a big request. Right. You know, can you can you love me despite what I did and uh I'll understand if you if you don't. Wow, I'm really inspired by this conversation that she had. And then um another question and I don't remember all six off the top of my head but another question towards the end is how might this look like from how might this look from their world, mm. from their point of view? Try and get into their shoes. I imagine he could be devastated. He could be shocked. He might feel angry, particularly the fact that I've used his affair to keep him under the thumb and manipulate him and dominate him. Right. He could be furious and rightly so. So that helps me get prepared for the conversation. And I'm, uh, he might, what might he do? He might leave the house. He might ask me to leave the house for a period of time. He might want a divorce. Uh, I can start to have the conversation with myself and prepare myself for these things that might happen. <clears throat> he might want, you know, one of my fears is he might want the kids not to be around me, which would be terrifying for me. So that's how you prepare and have the conversation with yourself. You learn a lot. Right. Learn so much about yourself before you even get to having the conversation with the other person. And now you're going to be clearer. Doesn't mean you, you're not going to get a, a strong reaction. Doesn't mean you'll get what you want, whether it's a pay rise or for someone to change their behavior or the sale, whatever it is, but you're going to be clearer and you're going to be self-expressed. And that's really what I want. I'm not, I'm not that into the results for you. Like, yeah, look, I'd be happy if you get a pay rise. I'd be happy if you, you know, if the woman marries you, I'd be happy if, um, if your kid is, um, feels more related with you and is, and is uh, a better human being out of the tough conversation you had. But what I really want is that you get to speak up for you. I think that's powerful because even though there's sometimes that we know that the consequence that's going to come may be negative, we have the power of getting that off of our chest um, and expressing ourselves. But yes. sometimes we know that having this you know, tough conversation could lead to things like divorces we've been talking about, or you even mentioned, you know, sometimes prison time for something that you might bring up. So how do we, how do we still step into that when we see that negative consequence coming? Yeah, that's true. And you mentioned prison. Um, I've I've been going into prisons and I have risked prison to apologize. It's a really scary, scary thing. And uh, I coached somebody recently who'd been carrying something for 20 years, 20, 30 years. He'd been carrying the fact that when he was a kid, he's like 15, he went and burgled a house. Mm-hmm. with his friend and it was someone they knew it was someone in their group of friends they burgled the house and stole some stuff and he'd been carrying that for so long and he's like how do I have that conversation with that guy and risk my reputation in the community this is my hometown risk being demonized risk someone coming after me risk prosecution and here's the thing he's confessing It's not like the trial might go badly. If the guy decides to prosecute, he has just confessed. Right. I did it. I burgled the house. Slam dunk. Right. Possible jail time. Right. So, 
you know, these are, these are high stakes conversations sometimes as well. Now what he got, and I, I know I'm not answering your question at all. I appreciate you indulging me, but we'll get there. Um, what he got out of it was freedom. Mm. He was risking prison. What he got was freedom. He got to be self-expressed. He got to apologize. That's not right. What I did. I feel bad about it. I apologize. How can I make it right now? Please tell me your question. Cause I think it was a good one. It's uh, you know, even though we see this negative consequence, you know, even though he knew he could face jail time, how did he or anyone else still have the courage to basically take that yep. step and face yep. that negative consequence? That's great. I think it comes partly comes down to your spiritual intelligence. Now let's put a pin in that for a moment. It may not, if you, you know, let's say you, you're nervous about asking your boss for a pay rise. That's natural. The thing that may motivate you to do it is you want the damn pay rise. Right. Now I hope my hope is that one thing that will also motivate you to do it is you want to feel good about yourself mm -hmm. and be self-expressed. Now I realized just a couple of months ago when I went and spoke to uh, camp Maverick, Yannick Silva's got this group of entrepreneurs that hang out with Richard Branson and Necker Island and like that. And I went to speak about daring and I'm like, why do I care? Why is, it, why is this important to me? And I realized that as a kid, I felt very small. I felt very contracted and I wasn't self-expressed. I didn't know this. I just growing up, but I never, never uh, stood up to bullies. I think that being punched in the face would have hurt less than carrying around the shame for 20 years of always backing down. I didn't speak up for myself. I didn't know how to ask girls out. I didn't know how to say to this girl, I think you're amazing. Do you want to hang out? My God, I wish I'd had a coach back then just to be expressed. If she says no, she says no, but at least I've got agency. Right. I'm having, I'm speaking up for me. So since landmark education, the, the course I did and learning how to speak up and how to face all these scary situations, I'm now an evangelist for it. So that's what I want for people. And I hope that that's what would motivate you, that you want to feel proud of yourself. I spoke up to my partner and I asked for more sex. Mm -hmm. I spoke to my partner. I said, I want this sexually. Are you willing to play with that? What would you like? Or I want less sex. I took a risk and um, told someone from my school days that I'm sorry for something, for always teasing them. I took a risk and called someone from my past and confessed, or I called someone who I've hated for 20 years and told them I'm letting it go. And I'm sorry that I've carried this around and maybe it's impacted you do it for you. And then, so that's, that's partly the spiritual side and your spiritual intelligence that you want to do it for you. And then another game that you can have is connection. When you speak up, particularly if you do it with vulnerability, often what happens is you transform the relationship with the other person. They get to see who you really are. You get to find out who they are and you get more connected. And too mm. many people in this world, too often, we're avoiding those conversations and just bouncing off each other like billiard balls. Right. And I feel sad about that. Well, I may be repeating myself. The other, the other thing that no, I think I started with it. I started with one thing that may motivate you is the result. Mm -hmm. You're looking for a particular result. Great. 
but it's way bigger than that. I, I'd, what, what I'm trying to do for myself and sometimes I can is I'm switching the order and saying I'm doing it first for me and if I get a result, that's great. I was just at a, um, I was at a retreat with some thought leaders like Jack Canfield and, uh, and uh, I'm not sure if John Gray was there, but a lot of people I really admire. And it was quite edgy for me to be around these people. Um, and it wasn't like I was in the audience and they're speaking. No, we're all there as peers, which is an amazing experience. And I asked four people for four big things at the retreat. It was scary for me. It was like I had to push myself for everyone. Um, for example, I pitched Jack Canfield on writing a book mm. with him. And that's scary because I figure he gets a thousand pitches a year. Um, and I asked an Oscar winning producer if I could shadow him on his next film shoot. These were big, bold requests. And I realized when I left the retreat, I didn't need a yes for any of them. The win for me was that I was self-expressed and I spoke up for me. Right. Yeah. And I, I interrupted you. You were saying something. I was just going to say that I think that's um, really important because, you know, our, ourself, we are the person we spend the most time with. And so if we are not proud of ourselves, if when we're looking in and speaking to ourselves, um, that weight of not being expressed, of not going after what we want, of, you know, not even speaking out those things. Um, I think is a heavy weight. And we were um, talking about the gentleman that, you know, maybe he could have went to jail, but while he was sitting in jail by himself, um, thinking through those things, he would have been relieved that he was actually able to share and, um, you know, ask for forgiveness on what he had done. Yes. Yes, possibly. Um, we won't know cause he didn't go to jail. And right. from my experience, I did, I did um, track down someone from my past and confess to something I'd done. I said, I'm really sorry. I did this thing. It was me. And um, you know, I could have been prosecuted. What I'd done was, was illegal and uh, I could have gone to prison. What I got was relief because I got to apologize, which was in my integrity, because I realized I don't want to hurt anybody. If I've hurt this person, I'd like to apologize. That was just right. The relief was incredible. And then the other thing was I got to find out that they're okay. You know, that th there really wasn't an impact and everything's good. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my God. Now, had I been, were I sitting in prison right now? Would I still decide it was worth it? I can't <laughs> tell you. But I did decide it was worth the risk to, to do that. And I love that you brought up um, how we feel about ourselves because my secret mission, I don't talk about it very much, don't tell anybody, <laughs> but my secret mission is I want everybody self-expressed and that we each love ourselves or at least like ourselves more. And I believe tough conversations are our doorway to both of those things. We can be self-expressed and we can love ourselves more regardless of what the outside world decides to give us. Mm. And as a bonus, you get great results. You can build a successful business. You have an amazing marriage. Your kids, kids can be super superheroes if you're willing to lean into these tough conversations. A large part of my audience are um, startup founders and CEOs um, of, you know, beginning um, businesses. And one mm. of the reasons that, those businesses often fail in the beginning stages is co-founder conflict or team conflict. And I think 
reason for this is, you know, poor communication and not having those tough conversations. Yeah. So what, what are the tough conversations in your experience that CEOs and entrepreneurs aren't having? That's a great question. I've got uh, a list right here of some top tens. <clears throat> These are conversations at work. Uh, you need to improve. Hmm. That's a tough one. Sometimes we're kind of people pleasing. We just kind of go along hoping it's going to change. You need to improve. I need you to change your behavior. I need help. It mm. could be logistical, time-wise. It could be emotional. It could be physical. I need help. We're, we're not trained to say that. We might look weak. Right. I'm not feeling supported. I'm not feeling appreciated. Mm. That's a big one. My boss just keeps criticizing and telling me boss may not even mean to just change those four things, not telling me what was good about what I did. I'm not happy. I'm not happy right now in my job or in my life. I don't agree. I screwed up. That's a tricky one. We're not taught <laughs> to do that as kids. Hey, you know, I'd be rewarded for saying I screwed up. Uh, you screwed up. Mm. I really think you screwed that up and I want you to take responsibility for it. You're fired is a tough conversation. I've just coached a VP recently around the conversation, letting someone go. It's hard. No, you're not getting the promotion. You're not getting the raise. You're not going to be on that project. I want to raise You're micromanaging me. Um, dealing with frustrated customers can be a tough conversation what about when a coworker or your boss is upset with you or angry with you? I feel intimidated by you. Mm. You broke an agreement. That's a big one in, in corporations. We need to be able to say to someone, you said you'd do X and you, and you didn't. Right. You said you'd do it by this time frame and you didn't. We need to be able to have that accountability conversation and that's a tough one. I feel excluded is an important one. This seems like clicky and I, I, I want to see it at the table. And uh, my last one, and I know I said 10 and I've given <laughs> you way more than 10. Um, I don't like you being late. I'd like you to be on time. Mm. Now, all of these conversations can create resentments and conflict. And we're not trained as kids or adults to have these. So I have a solution. You want to hear my solution? Yes, please. This is my vision for the world. I want every company, all staff in every company to have access to a third party, confidential, just in time, tough conversations coach. So if they don't use it, if they're going well for six months, great, they don't use it. But when they've got an issue and they're not sure how to frame it, they're not sure how to artfully have it, or they're not even sure what the issue is, they just know they've got a problem with someone. They book a session as soon as same day. They role play the conversation with the coach in 30 minutes and they go out and have it. I believe this will transform cultures. It already is. There's a company that's already doing it and I've just launched the service myself. And I think it's an absolute game changer because the people who use it will be the people who need it. And the ones who don't, great. What's that power of having that third party um, outside of that <clears throat> conflict? Well, you got the confidentiality. See, if you go and say something to your boss, let's say it's about a sexual discrimination issue. 
your boss might actually be obliged to report it. Or you you go and tell someone about something that's going on at work, they might be offended by it. Or it's not confidential. They're not outside the situation. You go to a professional whose job is confidentiality, you could say anything. You can even talk about, should I leave the company? These questions that, that are hard to talk about with anyone at the company. Because once they get wind of you leaving, sometimes, particularly in startups, sometimes you're out. Right. But these conversations have to be had or they fester. It's, there's this big element of speaking truth. And sometimes you can't speak truth to that other party. Um, in one of your interviews, you had mentioned if you could only follow one rule in life, it would to, uh, be to speak truth. So what does that mean for you? There was a teacher that I sat with for some time. He used to be with Osho. Mm-hmm. And, and his main teaching was to share your inner dialogue. Because the mind has got all sorts of stuff going along all the time. Right. Like, like here's an example of an awkward one. Someone's talking and your eyes are glazing over and you realize you're no longer interested in, in the story that they're mm-hmm. telling, right? So the inner dialogue is telling you all that. And he would encourage us every day, every hour, every minute, share your inner dialogue. So we'd practice it with each other. You know, I'd share with a woman notice I'm feeling really attracted to you and I'm scared I'm going to say the wrong thing because I want you to like me. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we do stuff like that for eight days. <laughs> um, so, you know, we tell someone, you know, I realize I don't want to hear a story right now. Can we talk about what's happening right now? Stuff like that. So that's, that's what comes up when you ask me what, what speaking truth means to me. Now, it ties in completely with tough conversations because this is about your truth. You've got a problem with somebody, you've got a toleration or a frustration or some kind of contraction. That's your clue. That's the clue that there's something here uh, that might need to be expressed. And then when you can find it, that's a big win. Oh, I feel, I feel, you know, when my boss texted me and said that that group photo I took of the team was, uh, you know, wasn't very good. And the boss is feeling disappointed. I'm feeling defensive and I, I want to defend myself and I'm feeling attacked. Like they threw the camera in my hands at the last second and I, <laughs> and I did it right. I'm at least it's, it's a, it's a win to be aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then I might share it and say, Hey, I felt defensive and like, Come on, that was a good job. Given, given, you know, I had to lean the phone up against a chair and sit a timer, and um, or once I realize it, I may not have to share it anymore. Say, ah, I'm, I'm being defensive, and she's disappointed about the photo. That's her experience. I'll let mm. her have the experience. I'm done. But realizing the truth for ourselves, we have to reveal our experience to ourselves first, and then. Let's do more revealing of our experience to others. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I think not having tough conversations, we um, sometimes hold on to regret later in life. And you've spoken on regret before. So I'm curious how you look at regret and um, how it's come up for you in your life when you're not, or you don't have these tough conversations. Well, the regret, the regret, the regret speaks to me. I'm, I'm not sure how I tie that to the tough conversations, but let's see if it, if it does, if the connection does appear. I, 
because I regret not speaking up to bullies and I regret not asking girls out and I do regret not speaking up. Here's another, another example. A politician came to speak to uh, our university in Australia and he was speaking about um, how students would now have to pay something to go to university because it was free, mm. a free education, right? He said, you're going to pay $2,000 a year, but you won't have to pay it until you're working and earning enough money, a certain level, and we'll take it out of your salary as an extra tax to pay back to contribute towards education. And mm-hmm. people hammered him. Students were getting up and like being really critical. And I was sitting there going, how dare you? You think you should get a free education? You're only going to pay two grand a year out of your salary when you've proven that the education is going to make you money. And I, did, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything in the group. And as the politician was leaving, I said, hey, I agree with everything you said. He said, oh, great. You should have said something. Boy, boy, did that stick with me. I still feel shame. I feel regret to this day that I didn't speak up. So I um, sometimes imagine being on my deathbed or I can imagine it right now. What if I knew I had an hour left and I wonder what would I regret? This is a way of me looking for, is anything missing in my life now? I'm enjoying, I do a quick scan right now, this, this moment, and I'm enjoying my business. I'm enjoying speaking about something I really care about. I've got a puppy recently. I've got, uh, we'll do, we'll do forest cam here. Here I am in the mountains of Colorado and I've got good friends and I'm doing everything I can to take care of my health and my body. So and I'm, I'm working slowly on finding a partner, not, not mm-hmm. really hardcore, but if I died now, nothing comes up that I would regret that I should be changing something. Now mm-hmm. there have been times when it has come up. Like once I was like, what if I had six months to live? Well, I would go to Bali. I would spend more time in Bali. So I actually packed my bags and I went to Bali for a couple of months and then came back, sold everything and moved to Bali. <laughs> because I asked that question. I don't know if we'll get reincarnated. I don't know if anyone can prove it, you know, whether or not we believe it. Uh, and it may be true. I'm open to it. But what if, what if I'm not? What mm-hmm. if this is the only life I want to live it fully so that I can say, I don't regret the way I lived my life. And can't in this moment, I can't think of anyone. Yeah, I can. There's one. There's one that comes up. There's one family member that I, I haven't expressed some hurt that I felt. That's the only conversation that comes up when I scan the world of like, am I unexpressed? Is this something that needs to be said? Oh, great exercise for anyone listening to imagine being on the deathbed and saying, what would I regret about how I'm living right now? What would I want to change? And the second question, if I had six months, what would I change about how I'm living? And hopefully there'll be some conversations in there. There'll be some, maybe some people you want to tell that you love them. Maybe some people you want to tell how much you appreciate and admire them. Mm-hmm. Maybe some apologies. Uh, who knows? Yeah. I think that's a, a powerful tool to help you frame those connections that you want to make with the other people in your life. Um, not only to see, you know, what you want to accomplish, but, you know, as we've been talking about the relationships and having those tough conversations you know, if there's a relationship that at the end of your, your life that you feel like you didn't 
fully express that you didn't, you know, maybe even rekindle that relationship, there might be a tough conversation there that you need to have. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I realize an alarm is going to remind me in five minutes that we have to go soon. I want to make sure it's not too loud. <laughs> it's always like surprising and I'll turn it right down. The other thing that I see in your story a lot and this talk that we've been having is this uh, gratitude for what you've done in life um, and kind of the direction that it's taken you. And um, I want to kind of touch on your work that you're doing with prison inmates. And I've seen recently um, that you spent your birthday in prison with these inmates. And That's right. there, there is a pretty profound kind of perspective that you saw there. And so I was wondering if you could share that. You know more about me than some of my friends do. <laughs> yeah, I, I was in prison on my birthday and it was really, uh, I was very surprised when out of nowhere, they all started singing happy birthday. Mm. I didn't know that they knew and I'd forgotten that it was my birthday, but someone had put them up to it and they had a great time. They were like, you know, da-na-na-na-na-na. They say it's your birthday, what you know, and they're dancing. And then later on, I actually got to play guitar for them and play Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash, which I didn't realize it, but I think I've always wanted to do that in prison since he did it. And uh, it was an extraordinary day. But your question was something about the transformational experience. Yeah, sort of what perspectives have you gained um, from working right. with mates and seeing that compared to the life that you're living? Well, I'm feeling humility. Mm -hmm. That's one thing because I think I've always seen it as us and them and I see them as uh, lower class citizens. They're lesser because they screwed up and, you know, their rights are taken away. They can't mm -hmm. vote. They can't go to the bathroom sometimes until they're given permission. They can't they've got to wear a uniform. They can't choose what they wear. They can't choose what they eat. Like it's amazing. All the rights are taken away. And I know when I go in there, they're not going to give me a hard time or they're going to, they're going to be punished. Right. Possibly with time added to their sentence. So I have, I have rights. I'm, I'm safer there than I am with you. <laughs> but I realized I got the humility because I realized as I've been going into prison more and more, I've done four prisons now. I've done stuff in my life. I've broken the law. I'm trying to think the last time I broke the law, probably a week ago, <laughs> right? I, if, if, if I don't believe in the law and it's in my integrity, I might, I might break it. I've, I've downloaded so many movies. I tell you, uh, I realize some people may judge me for that and fair, fair enough. Um, pirated movies, I haven't done it for a while, but I break the law. And as I've gone back and looked at my life, I'm like, 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 you know, there was once, uh, hypothetically, I may have ordered sleeping pills from, from India. I was like, I, I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to go through that whole thing. Someone said, I oh, can get them online. Ordered it, it came in a rolled up newspaper, hypothetically. I just looked it up. That's a felony. That's a felony. You're importing drugs right. into the US, right? It, it seemed like no big deal. And I've got a prescription now for the same drug. But um, I know I, I met a guy who got drunk. He was drunk. He got behind the wheel of a car and he hit and killed a sheriff. Wow. Right. How many of us listening to this podcast have gotten behind a wheel of a car thinking we're pretty sure we're good, but there's a 10, 20% chance we might be, we might be just over the limit. 
I'm realizing that the difference between me and some of these inmates could be that I've been luckier. Mm. And I spoke to a woman in the last prison, uh, we were on lockdown, whole prison, no one in or out because there's a hostage drill at a neighboring prison. So we go on lockdown and, and I met these people and they were therapists for sex offenders. That's their job. Wow. I got questions. <laughs> and, um, and she, she said to me, I really believe sometimes the difference between me and them is I got lucky. If I look back through my life and the, wow. and the mistakes I've made and the things I've done. So I feel closer to them knowing that. And the other thing is I get to confront my freedom. So going in, having the door slam behind me, then another door slam behind me. And I need someone to open two doors before I can go to the bathroom. And I'm in there with, with sex offenders and um, close custody inmates, which is a high level of custody. I realize I can walk back outside and I can look at this wintry landscape whenever I want. I can walk out in the snow when I want. I can breathe in this air. I can have a puppy. I can choose what I'll eat. I can watch TV if I want. So I got to confront my freedom. And the other insight I've had is that they're dealing with very similar issues to us. Let's go go through that list again of the questions. I need help. I need you to change your behavior. I'm not feeling supported or appreciated. You need to improve. I screwed up. You screwed up. I feel intimidated by you. You broke an agreement. These are all questions that, 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 they, that they have in prison as well. These are all issues. Mm. Now, it'll be different language. You know, someone coming at you in a boardroom, they're probably not going to say, hey, bitch, <laughs> right? Right. They may not bump you, which is a, apparently a thing in prison, but there's still someone coming at you with anger or some kind of attack and you need to learn how to, how to be with it. Yeah. Where can people find you and get help with some of these tough conversations? Well, yeah, thank you. You guys can download the worksheet and the four step blueprint. It's a great document. I'm very proud of it. Uh, you can also subscribe to my podcast and, um, join me there. It's called tough conversations with David Wood. And also if you have a company or have a leadership role in the company, and you'd like to transform the culture to one where people are leaning into tough conversations. And they're talking about this with mastery and not letting things fester to the point where people will actually quit. Then check out the just in time, tough conversations, coaching for teams, super excited about making that available. And the website is playforreal.life. So play for real, F O R play for real dot life. L I F E. Awesome. David. Well, my last question is how can we push the world to evolve? We can push the world to evolve by identifying those things that we're nervous to say and stepping up and modeling what it looks like to mm-hmm. speak with dignity and vulnerability and humility and have that tough conversation. Every time you do it, you're showing someone else how it could be done mm. and in, and people will get inspired and, and have a conversation. There will be some, they will have a conversation they wouldn't have had because you showed them how to do it. Mm. That's, That's how we can push the world to evolve. 
that's a powerful answer, David. And I appreciate you coming on the show today. I really enjoyed our chat and hope that um, our listeners can get those resources and get help from you if they need. Thanks, mate. Pleasure. I, I can't believe how much research you've done. You've really blown all the other interviewers away. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Hey, you. Yes, you. I want to thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, then please open up your podcast app, rate and review. That's really going to help get this life-changing content out to more entrepreneurs just like you who are pushing the world forward. As always, my friend, keep evolving.